0: Hi, I'm Hannah and I'm Lydia and we are a pair of bookends
1: And we were just hoping that we could interrupt this episode to ask you very kindly if you would sign up to our Patreon.
0: Yes, if you have some spare change rattling around in your pocket, we would so appreciate it if you could go over to patreon.com slash a pair of bookends where you can support our work. We have been doing this podcast for nearly two years now and we wanted the opportunity to get to know some of you a little better and via our Patreon. As well as getting exclusive benefits, you can also have the opportunity to share your own recommendations with us and to chat with us, and it's just a nice place for us to have our own little hub.
1: For less than the price of a coffee, you can get exclusive Patreon-only benefits, such as our Patreon exclusive book club, where you get to pick the book that we read each month, and also early access to all podcast episodes, and your chance to ask our authors your own questions
0: so please do if you can sign up to our patreon via patreon.com slash a pair of bookends and support our work we would appreciate it more than you can imagine and it helps us hugely to bring you all the extra special stuff
1: so come and officially become a bookend now on to today's episode
0: Welcome to A Pair of Bookends, the book club you can carry anywhere. We are your hosts and hopefully your new bookish pals.
1: I'm Hannah MacDonald. And I'm Lydia Clare. Welcome to our February Book Club episode. Who can believe that we've already reached month number two of 2024? It's actually making me come out in hives. Um, <laughs> today's Book Club episode is centred on Hard by a Great Forest, a beautifully unique novel about a son's search for his father. Following a trail of clues left by his brother, we follow Sabro as he travels back to Georgia to confront more than he bargained for poignant and in part magical, this is a book that will forever hold a place in your heart.
0: Leo Vardyashvili moved to London as a refugee from Georgia when he was just 12 years old. He studied English literature at Queen Mary University of London. His debut novel, Hard by a Great Forest, was bought by Bloomsbury in an overnight preempt, with the rights now sold in over 15 countries. The book has been endorsed by the likes of literary legend Khaled Hossini and the book has had Leo hailed as one of the Observer's Best New novelists for 2024. We are delighted to have Leo joining us today to chat all about it. Welcome to A Pair of Bookends.
2: Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this for for ages and thank you for making it all sound so interesting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It is so interesting. (laughs) Very much so. As soon as we we heard about this book, Lydia was straight on the phone to me and was like, "Hannah, we need to have this on the podcast. I'm giving you no yeah. choice whatsoever. Sorry." Yeah, so I got a that bit was, upset. Yeah, that was how quickly you know. As soon as you heard about your book, it was a case of, "No, this is happening." So
1: yeah, so really, Leo, you right. had no choice. <laughs> yeah, you didn't really have much of a choice to Sorry. <laughs> It needed to be a book club pick. <laughs> so we always love to start the podcast by asking our favourite question, which is, "What are you currently reading?"
2: Two books at the moment: "Wandering Souls" by Cecile Pin. Mm.
1: Oh, have okay.
2: you have you read that one? Yeah, it's similar to mine. It's about refugees. Obviously, I've just started it um, because I'm going to be having a chat with her at a festival later this year. So I need, I need to be prepared. Oh, <laughs> Uh, And the other one, I'm in a position now, which I haven't been in, where I can get proofs from from the publisher. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, So I'm reading Amy Twigg's Spoilt Creatures. I don't know if you guys have come across that.
0: I haven't, Uh, no.
2: Yeah, it sounds just the right amount of dark. But yeah, look it up. That's That sounds like a great book. I haven't started that one, but that's I'm going to be reading those too.
0: Amazing. Oh, nice. When's Amy Twigg's book out?
2: I think it's in August this year. It's definitely Ooh. this year at some point. So later this year.
0: Very exciting. Is that the um, one of the most exciting parts of becoming an author, a published author, I should say, is getting...
2: I, I'm a book nerd. Now I can get books.
0: Yes, free books. <laughs> that aren't out That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no it is amazing now we need to talk about your novel because we have so many questions for you today and Lydia rang me when she finished this novel crying
1: um <laughs> I'm sorry so I hadn't finished it yet so
0: I was like You're why dead. are you crying <laughs> She was like, No, I can't tell you because you've not finished it yet. I was like, Well, great, now I know that it's gonna upset me. <laughs> so I was waiting, like, what is going to happen? <laughs> and it's safe to say you made us both incredibly emotional over the weekend. So <laughs> thank you for that.
2: <laughs> I'd love to say I'm sorry, but But you're I'm not actually not sorry. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Nope>, not <laughs> even a little bit. <laughs>
0: So your novel, Hard by Great Forest, it is, as we've made out, you know, it is truly an astounding debut. Like it honestly, I don't know why it still surprises me, but it really does when this is somebody's first novel. It's just completely mind blowing. I wish I could produce something like this, but... Unfortunately, I can just chat to people about producing incredible things like this. But in terms of inspiration for the novel, as I said in the intro, you know, a like to your protagonist, Sabah, you also um, are a refugee. You moved from Georgia to London when you were 12. How much of your own experiences informed the novel and, and how much research had to go into it?
2: Well, first of all, that's way too kind, but I will take it and run. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of my own experience, there's there's definitely similarities. So Mm -hmm. I I left Georgia in 95 uh, with my family. Same reasons as the main character does. The Civil War messed things up in Georgia to a point where we had to go because there was no prospects, there was no jobs, that sort of thing. The main character escapes more during the Civil War whereas I stayed through the Civil War and then we left so that very similar to the main character Mm -hmm. so some life experience there and also the going back uh, experience so i didn't get to go back for i think 17 years i was like Mm -hmm. late 20s when i got back to georgia and it was really weird going back there. So imagine. it's the same thing that the main character goes through after 20-year absence. He, he Well, he's kind of forced, I force him into going back. <laughs> uh, so it's that surreal experience that made me want to start writing it, to be honest.
0: And as you obviously used a lot of your own experiences, but were you writing, did you, like, at what point did you start writing this? Was it when you went back that gave you the idea to start writing? Or, yeah, at what point did that...
2: that start yeah i went back when i got back to the uk i thought well that was intense yeah (laughs) um i need to i need to do something with it so it was almost like a short story that started it i wrote the most vivid thing i could remember from that trip which was probably just to myself self-therapy and then i got the premise of this chain of missing people so the dad goes missing in georgia then the brother goes looking for him also goes missing and then the main character is third in this chain and it's a story of missing person search gone spectacularly wrong like as wrong as it can go (laughs) so i had that premise and i thought yeah this this has already got a beginning a middle and an end it's Mm -hmm. almost a structure a plan i can make this work oh and then the uh the zoo animals thing just landed in my lap Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm skipping ahead to a. a no, 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 no. Go for it. So in 2015, I'd only just started writing it for real, and a BBC article. Someone sent it to me, WhatsApp me, uh, saying, "Look, the animals have escaped into Belize." Incredible. This, this is your this is your country, isn't it? I was like, "Oh no, <laughs>
1: we've
2: embarrassed ourselves." <laughs> uh, but yeah, the zoo animal escape happened in 2015. It was a flash flood. The zoo happens to be along the river, so all the fences got washed away. So literally, the Bengal tiger, the hippo, uh, the wolves that are in the novel. They're all not my ideas; I <laughs> just stole those.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so scary!
1: <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I mean, that's a, a case of it's—you know—it's stranger than fiction, isn't it? You just yeah. like, yeah, think that, that's Like, you know, you read that and you think, "Oh, is this part of—is this like a fairy tale element?" And it's like, "Oh no, 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 no!" That but actually has happened. <laughs> there was tigers roaming around. <laughs>
2: It's it's worth a Google There you know that there's a scene in the book where you come across the hippo. It's not really a spoiler. It's in the first few pages. Yeah. I didn't have to make that up. There's a picture of a hippo that's just demolished the watch shop uh, with people to trying to shoot this. it with tranquilizer darts. Yeah, just have it. It's worth a Google. Definitely. Oh it's Jumanji gosh. come to life.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Jumanji come to life. Absolutely. <laughs> this I mean, this book in itself is just it has so many kind of like magical elements And, you know, even the title Hard by a Great Forest it's the start of like a nursery rhyme and it brings to mind, you know, the story of Hansel and Gretel and this kind of they talk about in the book a lot about, you know, leaving a trail of breadcrumbs almost with the kind of with how Sabah's brother sets out this sort of treasure hunt in terms of come and find us you know yeah he does follow it as it as if a fairy tale what was it about kind of like the fairy tales or the the more magical elements that influenced the text
2: fairy tales are weird because they're, they're all the older ones anyway like the brothers Grimm, hansel and yeah. gretel stuff the pre-disney stuff is all really dark topics mm-hmm. hansel and gretel is about poverty and then murder Well, they, they decide to ditch one of their kids into the forest mm-hmm. uh and there's a witch there's cannibalism so these are really dark topics to read to <laughs> your kids aren't they and i have always been yeah. interested in that dynamic well, how would you read this to your to your kid and it also I found it really fun to write that stuff. Um, so in the novel, it lets me let weird things happen. You have this fairy tale elements kind of pulling at the edges of the real world. And I, I don't want to call it magic realism. But I guess, I guess it is, yeah.
0: I think it's quite yeah. hard to describe what this book is because there's it's got so many different elements to it. I feel like it's there's like adv- adventure in there, there's mystery in there, like Lydia said, you know, there's fairy tale elements. Like it's it's really hard, like you can't kind of box it off as one as one thing. But I think that's also the beauty of of this book. That it has so many different elements to it that's
2: that's also the reason it got turned down by so many agents
0: (laughs) that's unbelievable i can't believe they've messed out on now
2: (laughs) (laughs) they did they did a little bit but i've got emails saying you're trying to do too much too many spinning plates with this one sorry no but then i found my agent and she loved it sarah o'keefe her name is she just grabbed it grabbed it well i sent it to her this is how stupid i am i sent it to her like a month before the london book fair So we actually met but three weeks before london book fair
0: oh my gosh wow
2: and she kind of went i've got some changes for you but you'd have to make them in the next two weeks oh my gosh with your permission i'll take this to the london book fair
0: oh my gosh wow so this is
2: this is going from like 30 odd rejections to this i was like okay i I didn't (laughs) even have time to say oh holy shit, someone's interested (laughs) Uh, and i was already editing it and then she took it to the book fair and think came away with three or four deals already
1: oh wow so you see but so I, yeah, I, I can't imagine i just cannot imagine this book without each element in it like yeah. if you were to take away something from this it would not it just wouldn't land the same like it's such it's so integral to the story to keep those kind of these plates in the air mm-hmm. yeah. you know i think it would just it just wouldn't work without it no and i, I think was really nervous wrong... about
2: it being boring i didn't want it to boring <laughs>
0: this could not be boring in any way whatsoever like absolutely not um I just can't imagine somebody turning this down it blows my mind and all I can think is that they're like 100% kicking themselves now because I feel like I've seen you in this book everywhere um
1: yeah an encouragement to other debut authors or unpublished authors yeah. to just keep going you know and and push through rejection then I don't know what it is, because it really is a story of kind of like you know you were told that it wasn't going to work and then now look at it you know it's taking the world by storm
2: yeah I've got 30 plus rejections from agencies that agree with you uh, I didn't <laughs> quite print them out Stephen King style and staple them to my wall but I've got them saved
0: oh my gosh no I I mean well your book is is face out in every bookshop that I've been in in Manchester so I mean That's great. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it just shows you know and also what is an overnight preempt because I said it in the intro but is that the case of that your um, agent took it to the book fair and it was just snapped up there and then is that what it means
2: yeah so Sarah took it to the book fair she also has obviously uh scout contacts scout contacts who work for the publishers and they scout for manuscripts right so she sent it to her contacts um i mean she's been in the business 20 20 years and she's been an editor who's been purchasing books and then now she's an agent selling books mm-hmm. so she's seen both sides so her, her contacts must be insane but she got it in the right hands but the overnight preempt thing is a publisher going we don't want anyone else to see this because we want it for sure so we're going to offer something now and you've got till it was literally you have till midnight to make a decision
0: oh my god.
2: I was calling Sarah at like 10 to midnight going, yeah.
0: yeah, (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's like something out of a film really, isn't it? That's insane, yeah. I can't imagine how exciting that was but I will just carry on you know gushing over this amazing book but we actually need to talk about the content of the book uh, because we want our listeners to snap up a copy also so from the from the first page of your book we're kind of under no illusion that you're going to shy away from the sort of the brutality of war and sort of the horrors of it and I feel like you have a real talent at sort of describing the brutality amongst the mundanity. Why was it important to you to to write these things in such detail?
2: It's the reality of war. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of the scary thing about war. and just death in general is that sometimes it's completely meaningless i find that terrifying like if if you die for a reason okay fine you're still sad but there was a reason but it's just the meaningless of it like a tank shell goes through your building and that's it um Mm -hmm. and that obviously happens in all wars Mm -hmm. uh, to soldiers and civilians so yeah i wanted to draw that out a little bit because it scares me um uh, it scares, scares the main character as well so that's that's the reason
0: and it's terrifying and, and i think it really struck me um in that first page because you know straight away you're you're in it and i think that's what makes your book so powerful is that the visceral way that you write and i think you write something like i need to read it for myself because i really don't want to butcher this because it it really hit me Sorry, I'm going to read out this uh, line if you don't mind. Is that okay? No,
2: no, you reading it than me reading it, trust me.
0: So, see, war trumps most things. You'll find that a volley of AK-47 rounds fired right down your street will override almost any other concern. We heard gunfire by night and saw brass twinkling on the pavement in the morning as though it had rained shell casings all over. It's pretty had- easy. Okay, sounds manageable so far, but when a stray tank shell breaks the sound barrier by your bedroom window, screams on and deletes the corner grocery shop and the entire family living above it, you'll begin to make plans. And I think it's that that breaks the sound barrier by your bedroom window, screams on and deletes the corner grocery shop and the entire family living above it, it's the fact that it's like, it's just in somebody's bedroom, and then mm. this thing comes in, and completely ruptures your life as you know it, and it was the deletes the, the corner grocery shop, that that hit me as well because it's just the term like delete like it's you know we use that kind of jargon so much online nowadays but like when you actually think of that like it has just totally eliminated that building and and that family within it and it's you know it's the fact that that's become a normality for these people it's i don't know you just helped me to really grasp like the violence of that um
2: delete feels like the right word because well if i felt bad not giving these people a name uh-huh. Living above a corner shop, but that's how it goes, isn't it? People literally just mm. do get deleted, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. it's a horrible shame. I that's not lived experience, I've never seen a tank shell do anything like that. But the gunfire for sure, because I, I was there during the Civil War and it was it looked like fireworks to us. I was 10, 11, so it was exciting for me and my mates. We used to collect the uh, shell casings oh, in the streets sure. and then compare them who had the coolest one, that sort of thing. So
0: Gosh.
2: I don't have this, sounds weird, but I don't have. Bad memories of the civil war. I think yeah. kids are quite resilient. We just thought it was fun, but I think that's
0: that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's the way that you kind of show, and that's clearly from your own experience about like the sort of innocence of of youth and how you know the like you said that you, there was people shooting where you, where you were when you were younger and you were all just comparing the shell casings like there's something like <laughs> yeah. like that's terrifying, <laughs> you know. But like that became like your normal. So I think, but I think you really represented that well on the page as well.
2: I'm, I'm glad it worked, but that's a fun memory. Yeah, some people remember. I don't know. The holidays they went on Disneyland. I remember the mm. bullet casings.
1: Great. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so one aspect of um the book that I really loved is the concept of um a guest is a gift from God, which is a motif that runs throughout the book. And so much of Sabah's journey is based on the people that he meets and the people that take him in, the generosity of others, and the kind of Georgian hospitality. How integral were the characters that he meets along the way to, to his success?
2: Um, they were key to it, really, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as he lands in Georgia, he's in trouble. He gets his passport confiscated, so he's mm-hmm. stuck. And he's straight away, he's rescued by a Georgian uh, taxi driver, no Nodar. And then all along his journey and this scavenger clue hunt, He's just being helped along by, by people that don't have much themselves. That makes Mm -hmm. sense. And I, I wanted to draw that out because that's the Georgian I mean that saying I guess there's a gift from God is a is a natural saying in Georgia most people live by it so if they see someone in trouble they will take you in they will help you out I've had loads of experiences like that myself that I could tell you if you like but it's it's a George it's a national mantra
0: I mean I would love to hear about the, the kindness of people there because I think yeah it was so beautiful to read about about that and it's really lovely that that's a real real saying there so yeah tell us your stories
2: okay I'll pick a particularly Georgian one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm traveling back from the Georgian mountains, the Caucasus mountains, right? Back to Tbilisi um, in a taxi. He goes over a a pothole and literally blows both tires on one side of the car. There's like fist-sized holes in them. We stop the car. It's the middle of the night. It's so dark. You can see the Milky Way above. It's that kind of thing. There's no one around. He (laughs) kind of lights a cigarette. And the first thing he does, he makes a joke. He's like, can you get me rolling again so I can pop the other two tires? I don't like being unbalanced. (laughs) (laughs) Like It's almost midnight. We're going to be here for hours. He calls his dad. His dad says, yeah, I can get there, but it'll be a few hours. So we kind of sat around in the middle of nowhere. And then a farmer sees us from his bedroom window, probably from his bed. And decides to come and see what's going on. So we have a farmer come down and uh, speak to us. He smells a little bit of wine. So he's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> he comes down. He's like, oh, there's a there's a garage a little bit up the road. We can, Let's walk up there and see if the guy can sort you, if he's got spare wheels for you. The guy at the garage also had to be woken. He had to be woken more than once because he was also sleeping one off. But in the end, he didn't have any spare tyres for us. So what the farmer did is wake up his son now. So his son gets woken <laughs> up and told to drive us, to drive me to Tbilisi. Oh my um, gosh. Nearly had a fist fight with the original taxi driver because he wouldn't take any money. I was, I was like, "Well, you've ruined your car. We're part way there. I have to pay you something." He's like, "Nope, I'm not taking any money." So there was a whole hoo-ha over that. In the end, I left it in his glove box and then texted him that I'd left him the money. And we met up in Tbilisi later because he he wanted to he wanted me to meet his family. So this is the kind of Georgianness that I'm trying to get to.
0: Oh my god! Um,
2: and yeah, the the son drove me to Tbilisi in the middle of the night.
0: That's incredible. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah I mean I'm not I'm not saying this happens every time but this can happen in Georgia I'm sure it can happen in other countries too but I've seen a lot of examples of that in Georgia and I really wanted to get that in the book somehow yeah, yeah book.
1: you definitely do feel that especially I mean there's, there's moments where he, he kind of he gets welcomed in, into homes and he'll sit down and be fed a meal and the meal is the last food that this person has but mm-hmm. they give yeah. the food to him you know th- these these examples throughout the book i think are really indicative of of georgian hospitality and i think that you were you were really successful in getting that across because it literally it makes you feel like these these people are are people that you can rely on and count on okay, you know? I'm, I'm glad and,
2: it i'm glad it translated
1: absolutely 100%. yeah
0: and i I absolutely adored Nodar. I thought he was such a great character. I'm not going to speak much on Nodar for reasons I cannot share with our listeners. <laughs> but I, I can't remember um, Nodar's wife, and it's really bothering me. What's what's his wife's name? Ketti. Ketti no. Ketti. Oh my god! I kept thinking of Ika, yeah. but it, that's his mom. But their their hospitality with like the how they brought him into that home was so beautiful and just when you were speaking about your own experience with that t- taxi driver then it made me think of Nodar because um, the moment that he tries to give well he, the moment he gives Nodar money because Nodar's been driving him here, there and everywhere and he's letting him stay in his home, Nodar is like can't even look at him in the car because he feels so ashamed for taking his money yeah. and he yeah. and he he, he, he apologises and says like I'm you know I'm so sorry I wasn't brought up like this. And mm. it's like, Well you're doing all these favours, of course you need the money <laughs> for it. Like <laughs> But yeah, I I I definitely got a sense of of Georgian hospitality. It was it was yeah, it's it's so beautiful. Now, Now, I find it really difficult, and I'm going to find it difficult now to avoid spoilers, um, but I will do. I I find it difficult when I am either reading a book or watching something on TV or in a film when a character is continuing to make choices where you know that puts that person in danger and that their choices can lead to something potentially life-threatening. Uh, now Saber's determination to locate his his dad and his brother sort of surpasses any fear throughout the book. Why do you think that was? Like, what do you think it is about a person that can push them through despite the horror of a situation like Saber's?
2: I guess in his case, his family—he's kind of the last one of his family left. Mm-hmm. So family can go a long way mm-hmm. of getting you through hardships. I think Nodar almost steals the novel. By the way. I've heard that from a few people <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, this, this should, I'd, I'd read another book about Nodar. Oh,
0: a hundred percent.
2: But his humor gets him or gets us through the novel
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and through the tough things that happen. I'm trying to avoid spoilers as well. Yes. Um, it does. And that's, that's again, that's a gallows humor is, is a thing in Georgia. It's definitely a thing. Mm. Just kind of laughing in the face of adversity. Georgia has been invaded Thirty plus times by the way
0: oh my gosh
2: um so you have to have a sense of humor about these things otherwise you're not going to make it
0: yeah yeah i mean that's what lydia says all the time on the podcast all the time
1: <laughs> listen you always know when something terrible is going on in my life it's when i'm at my, my, at my funniest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, um, I, also, is... I also absolutely loved nodar's insult. I've never heard such fantastic insults. They're usually about mothers. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And they are always so eloquent and fantastic. I'm like, I need to bank that in case I ever need to insult someone.
2: (laughs) So do good. you have a favourite? Because I definitely have a favourite. Oh, um, what's
1: your favourite? Go on.
2: Am I allowed to swear? Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, there's a there's a bit when Nodar is upset with someone, uh, and he goes, "I ought to go and shit in his oven." <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's yes, yep, you okay. absolutely
1: should, because <laughs> nothing could be worse than that. Nothing, no. You
2: will never get the smell. There's nothing you can do to that oven that would clean it. That's that no. oven's done.
1: Fantastic. I'm telling you.
0: Brilliant. I just loved it, it was this string of um, of relatives underneath fuck your and then it would be like several different relatives in that.
2: <laughs> that Yeah, that that is a Georgian thing. The like saying something about someone's mother is the worst thing that you could say. So
0: yeah, I can imagine.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not the same in the UK. Your mum jokes are your mum jokes. They're not jokes yeah. over there. They're kind oh of my like, oh, oh no. <laughs>
0: So good. <laughs>
1: uh, one of the things that I really want to chat about is not only do we have the narrative from Sabah's perspective throughout, but he has this kind of own internal narrative. But alongside that internal narrative, he also has the voices of his family yeah. members, people that are close to him, people he's lost, childhood friends. Why did you feel like you had to give these characters a voice?
2: Um, I have... A few drafts that didn't have the voices in them. So this is like a wow. behind-the-scenes thing, and they were quite boring because I'm trying to describe these relatives that he's left behind. He obviously feels strongly about them because he never got to see them again. And having them as just descriptions didn't really work. They weren't they weren't characters. So I thought, let me make them into voices, and then at least you'll hear them speak. You'll hear the idiosyncrasies that they might have, like the grandma clears her throat, or his friend, his childhood friend, speaks a certain way. So yeah, that made them come off the page a bit more alive. So that's mm-hmm. the draft that ended up being the final one. Yeah,
1: I'm so glad. I'm so glad they were included. <laughs> yeah, me
0: too. Who was your favorite? Who was your favorite voice to write?
2: Nino. So she's no. the, his childhood friend, little girl about his age when he left, and she was. She, I had to rein her in honestly because <laughs> she was so much fun to write. She's this creepy voice that she started to sound like a Stephen King creepy little girl I was like oh okay this isn't what I'm trying to do here I need to rein her in a little bit but she was she's probably my favorite
0: because yeah she's she so was creepy. she was so great she's not creepy yeah. <laughs> I didn't find her creepy I loved her um, I loved her yeah and I thought her story was I really don't want to give it anything away but I thought you know when he's reflecting back on his past with her like it was it was really moving to read that and really gorgeous to to see their their dynamic before mm. and also you know when he's speaking to to her through her voice. I'm trying not to I it's so hard <laughs> to not like to like step around it and not give anything away. Everyone just read the book please. Thank you. <laughs> well,
2: we could we can say that she has a she hides a dark secret from the main character's life. And that gives her yeah. this voice where she's able to voice some of that dark dark secret and kind of hold it over at the main yeah. character. So that that's what makes her creepy to me. And then obviously she her story isn't exactly happy so yeah. yeah
0: yes that was articulated much better than me thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> you are the author though so right. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but
1: no I, I do love the way that they that those voices they kind of they push and they pull him in different directions and they they you know they can stop him from doing something or they can almost in that case sometimes force him mm-hmm. to do things that he thinks oh I shouldn't do that or and and it's a brilliant way of of showing your own internal struggles I know that sometimes whenever if I'm doing something might be a bit dodgy I kind of hear my mother's voice and I think oh what do you think I shouldn't do that you know and it is that it, it expressed in you know a bit further but I, I really loved that even even the smallest things like you said about grandma clearing her throat and you think oh gosh no I've done that wrong yeah <laughs> yep, literally I, I feel literally-
2: like it's not okay. I'm glad it's not just me because I felt like a crazy person. Because I thought everyone hears voices, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Don't they? Like, I do. I don't, if you've had... <laughs> I feel like this is a support group now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know, you, you've had an let's say you had an argument with someone, and I do this a lot. You have an argument with someone, and then for the next, I don't know, half a day, you're just having that conversation again and again in your head, but you're saying oh, yeah. better things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not just
2: stumbling around going, oh, um, <laughs> you're actually making points. And yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's, I guess that's the beginning of these voices is that
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's almost like talking to a voice in your head. But you never Especially make the point you need to make in things. the moment. No, oh,
0: no, no. no. Chance.
1: Never.
0: no. <laughs> I wanted to speak about there is a moment in the, in the novel where um, Saba says grief without closure has a way of fucking with you. I wanted to ask, because I feel like this is sort of a, a feeling that is very significant to a lot of refugees in the sense that you you have, you have grief without closure um, because you've left, you know, you've left this place and you sometimes can't go back and you can't say goodbye to people that you've left there. So has writing this sort of helped you with any closure?
2: Yeah, it has. So that's one of those, I mean, the book isn't really autobiographical. The no. themes are, but the book is and Some of the anecdotes are, like, I really did learn how to swim by being thrown into a lake by my own. Oh, family. my
0: gosh. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> yeah,
2: that, that was great. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I can swim now. So I guess it worked. So the I I left in 95, and I didn't go back for 17 years, like mm-hmm. I said. And I didn't get to see my grandma. She passed away while we were in the UK. So that really, that really hurt. I felt yeah, that one. Of course, like I, heard while I was at uni. So I spent a couple of weeks getting very drunk, not going to classes. So that, I felt that one, and getting that theme out on the in the book was a form of therapy. So it was like a little bit cathartic.
0: Yeah, I can, I can imagine. But yeah, that that line just really, really stuck with me so i guess mm-hmm. thank you for for writing such a beautiful book because there are so many there are so many moments in the book and lydia hates that i do this but i i have to put little i'm gonna have to show you to show you what i do but i don't know if you can see that but i do little yeah. marks by and lydia as you can see her face right now lydia hates that i do this but it's if a line sticks with me i have to like do a little mark mm-hmm. on it you know what you do you get don't a notebook, want to tab it notebook and a pen I don't no want to do intent. that. I don't want to do that. Side. Not, because then if I book. pass this book on to somebody, they can see what lines stuck with me. It's, mm. it's yeah. quite a wanky thing that I do. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not, I'm not going to pick a side, but I'm going to pick a side.
1: You're going to pick a side? Gonna, okay, whose side are you on here? I'm,
2: I'm, I'm going to go with you, Hannah. I
1: never win. I never win.
2: <laughs> Honest to God. <laughs> I, it's, it's my book. I bought it and I can <laughs> scribble in it. And I do, with pen, not not even pencil. I was No. That's terrifying. That's
1: terrifying. <laughs> worry about you now. I'm going to worry. I, I do it all the time I with scribble pen. in
2: the margins, Lydia. As I you should. doodle.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. I'm going to buy you some bookmarks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia oh yeah, wants I to sort I of fold towel. the corners down as well. Yeah, me too. I knew it. I knew you were a corner folder. I could sell. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you, Leo. <laughs> you can come again. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have had an uh, absolute blast chatting about the book. We love the book so, so much. Can't already tell. It is a five star read for me, um, which is rare. Um, it is rare. Can I just say that is,
0: that is very rare. L- Lydia is such like... I, I will beg her. I'll be like, Lydia, this this is definitely five stars. And she's like, mm, but maybe a 4.8. I'm like, oh my gosh. Can it's not like she has a competition a with herself for how little she can give out five
1: stars. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, so, well, you yeah, all...
2: I think you're being too kind, but thank you, I'll take it.
1: <laughs> you, can, you can win all the awards you want, but let's face it. Stop it, it Lydia. Five stars. <laughs> five stars from Lydia. As you know, it's amazing Can I put that on my um, CV?
2: Can it, yes. do, yes. I, do, I, do I have your permission? Okay, cool
1: <laughs> So before we let you go I do just want to ask you one of the questions that I, I'm always fascinated when we speak to authors about what their literary influences are um, so could you give us maybe a few names that kind of have influenced your work?
2: Yeah, I'm, this is where I expose myself for not reading more <laughs> modern stuff <laughs> Um, right. But the book I'm—I was upset. I'm still. I've, I think I've read it over ten times now. Is one flew over the cuckoo's nest? Mm-hmm. And I've, I think I've mentioned it in every interview I've had. So,
0: um, <laughs>
2: if anyone's—if anyone's heard my other interviews sorry, um, but that—I don't know if you guys have read it.
0: I've not read it. No, I've read it. Really you have. But
2: that's a debut, wasn't it? Exactly. I, I only found that out the other day. I thought I—I <laughs> I didn't know it was. And he was in his twenties when he wrote it. it was my nuts. Gosh. But that book was a big inspiration for me because he does this thing where he can make you laugh and cry at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that, I, for me, that's like six out of five stars. I think <laughs> I think you'd like it, Lydia. Amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, really <laughs> cool. yeah, there's I mean... a bit
2: in there where there's a scene that's happening. and You can see what's happening. It's a happy thing that's happening. But you know what's coming and what's coming isn't good. And that, you're laughing at the scene because it's hilarious. But you're also like really sad because you know what's going to follow oh wow so you start tearing up while you're laughing it's insane so I, I love that book I didn't really model my book or well it wasn't an inspiration as such I just really admired that one in terms mm. of like a body of work novels I, I like Cormac McCarthy mm. a lot he has this way of just boiling things down to one sentence which is like a punch in the face like how did you get <laughs> so much feeling into one sentence that has no adjectives in it like it's it, it's it's magic
0: I'm ashamed um, to say I haven't read Cormac McCarthy, but Lydia has started collecting, um, his books. So <laughs> <laughs> I am going to have to steal one of those because I feel like it's sort of blasphemy in the literary world to have not read any. The,
2: the Road and uh, No Country for Old Men are my favourites because they're. I mean, he does go he does go off on more of a literary kind of tangent sometimes, but those are like condensed down to bare bones books.
0: Yeah, I'll have yeah. to I'll have to get on those. Are there any others?
2: Lord of the Rings was a big influence on me.
0: I love that. I started I, love... I tried
2: to write a sequel when I was a kid. I finished it and I didn't realize there was any there wasn't any more to read. I thought, "Well, uh, I'll, I can I can fix that." <laughs> <laughs> At the age of 12, yes, there's a new ring. It all starts again.
1: <laughs> I love that. I can just imagine it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to read that. What is, what is next for you in terms of, in terms of writing and um, also have you got any events coming up? So
2: there are, I'm going to be a a few festivals. So the Oxford Literary Festival, Hay Festival, Edinburgh and the North London Literary Festival. So those are the four. Uh, I don't have the dates off the top of my head, Uh, but they're coming up in kind of the next couple of months.
0: I'll find those. So yeah.
2: if you're looking for events they'll they'll be on my twitter i'll I'll be posting them up on there amazing and yeah
0: in terms of writing
2: in terms of writing i am part way through the second one
0: (laughs) 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 but we're not allowed to know anything i assume i'm very excited very excited
2: I don't know what it's going to be, if it's going to be any good or if it's going to be shit. So I'm not saying it. I haven't said anything. That is know.
0: absolutely fair. But I can say now that I doubt very highly that it's going to be shit. Um, and I, I can't wait to, to read crossing it. I'm my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we always finish the podcast um, by asking for a recommendation of something that you've enjoyed recently. So that can be anything. It can be books, TV, film, podcast, anything at all. So have you got anything for us?
2: Can it be something that's not released yet? Yes. Um, I read uh, Harriet Constable's The Instrumentalist is the novel.
0: And when's and that out?
2: That's out, I think, this summer. <sighs> Excellent. And I read that. And as a writer, you know, when you're reading something and you're just jealous.
0: Yeah. <laughs> God
2: damn it. She's, yeah. she's so good. Within <laughs> the first few sentences, you know it's going to be good. And I've finished that book and I even left her a review. Uh, so I would recommend getting that When it comes out, whenever yes. it comes out. I think it might be August as well. Amazing wow. this year. I mean, when, sure when you
1: speak about um, knowing that a box can be good in the first few sentences, Hannah was. I think, three pages into your book and text me and said, this is going to be a book of the year. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> we had that feeling. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely. I don't. It wasn't even three, it was on the first page. I yeah, I think it was first page. I was like, oh my gosh, had, like, yeah. yeah. That,
1: that
2: might be a bit unfair because that page has probably been edited more than any other page in that book. Because <laughs> it's the beginning, right? You had to get it right.
0: Well, the Stop. feeling stayed consistent <laughs> no. throughout, so. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay good, I'm glad. But yeah, I think I think we've we've gushed in office It is fairly obvious that we that we both absolutely love this book. So for our listeners, please go get yourself a copy. I will be popping a link in the show notes. Um, for all of the recommendations that Leo spoke about today, and of course, Hard by a Great Forest, which is out now. So go grab your copy and then let us know what you think, because we have many thoughts and we've been very careful on this episode of not talking about spoilers. But I think when Leo said before that um, One Flew the Cocoon Nest is one of those books that that makes you laugh and cry at the same time, that's very much a feeling (laughs) that was captured in this book. I uh, I speak firsthand um, from experience. Um, yeah,
2: sorry about that. <laughs>
0: No, you're not sorry. You're not sorry. I don't know why you're. Not, a oh yeah, sorry. You're not sorry. I'm yeah, not sorry. <laughs> you wanted this, uh, Leo. Where can our listeners find you on social media?
2: <laughs> on Goodreads and on Twitter.
0: Amazing. I'm going to follow you sir-
2: my surname's quite <laughs> unique, so you'll be able to find me by the Amazing. surname.
0: Amazing. Thank you. And if you enjoyed this episode, listeners, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow us in a lot of places now. Um, for exclusive content, you can follow us on Patreon. Uh, you can also follow us at Pair of Bookends Pod on instagram and at a pair of bookends on twitter and tiktok but that is all we've got time for so leo thank you so much for joining us today it's been an absolute joy chatting to you and we both absolutely adored your book
2: thank you for having me it's been so much fun it's flown by
0: yay (laughs) (laughs) that's what we'd like to hear (laughs) but thank you so much listeners for listening and goodbye